Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. It's good to be together out here, out here in the wild. Here we are with the creatures, the trees, the sunshine. Absolutely, please move at any point in this message if you need to, because I sunburn in the car on the way to work. So if that is the kind of skin you have, please move if you're suddenly covered in sunshine, okay? Okay, well, let's open our Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 12. Uh, I've been in this chapter for a couple weeks because uh, Mary Lopez sent me a text that she had a dream about me. And I was meditating on Romans 12, and she went into this whole thing, and I was like, oh. Oops, I guess I'm supposed to be meditating on Romans 12. And she was a few steps ahead of me. So I've just been looking at it, um, which that's basically what meditation on the word looks like for me. I just look at it. Does anybody else just look at it? And I just keep looking until I see something he wants me to see. So we're just going to look at it together today and see what we see. Okay. So verse 1. Beloved friends, what should be, that's nice. (laughs) Let's just stop there and look at that for a second. This is the Apostle Paul. He's pretty famous. He he is pretty influential in the words we're reading right now. Uh, And he's calling us beloved friends. Let's just internalize that for a second. He was thinking of us generations later, or maybe he wasn't, but the Holy Spirit was, (laughs) that everyone in the kingdom would be considered a friend, that everyone in the family of God, if Jesus calls you a friend, of course you're going to be Paul's friend, that there's no one in the kingdom that's better than you. There's no one in the kingdom that's less than you. Isn't that good news? There's people that are more gifted than you in certain areas. There's people that are more anointed than me in certain areas. There's people that have strengths where I have weaknesses. But when it comes to significance in this family, we all have been given equal access to the Father. Hmm, I like that. Beloved friends. What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. This is what uh, Zaina's new song was singing this morning. No nation, no idol, no nothing. That's my favorite line, no nothing. I surrender to Jesus. Um. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Live in holiness, 
experiencing all that delights his heart. You know, holiness is a delight. Holiness is where the delight of God is. And, you know, let's keep going. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And, you know, this, this phrase, be transformed inwardly by the Holy Spirit, is what separates our transformation process apart from every other self-help industry in the world. Is that we are being transformed by the presence of God. That it isn't first, uh, we, we can't like skip this part and just work on thinking better thoughts. That the better thoughts actually come through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That for the believer, the source of transformation is not uh, first really helpful keys or tools or tips. Those play a part in our lives. But the source is the Holy Spirit. Our dependency is on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when, when we're coming even to the Bible, our need for the Holy Spirit is extraordinary <laughs> because we're all reading the same Bible and somehow we come out in totally different spots. Has anybody ever recognized that? <laughs> like, hi, I, I did not get that when, when you read that. that. That's not where I went. And that's where you went. Okay, we are different. Because we're all reading through uh, different lenses, through different stories, and we're all interpreting what this word is saying through ourselves. And so we, we are, it is absolutely crucial that we understand even applying the Bible to our lives takes dependency on the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just what God is saying, it's how he is saying it. And people have been memorizing this book for generations with no transformation. Because the transforming power, you, you can memorize this book and not even know God and not even believe in God. The power is in the presence of the Holy Spirit breathing on the words. And, you know, one time I... Uh, had the Holy Spirit lead me into a vision, and there uh, we went under this bridge, and there was a homeless man curled up in a ball, and he was shivering because it was cold, and I could tell that he had been strung out on drugs. He was out of his mind. He was skinny and starving, and I watched as a, re a religious spirit walked by and kicked him and said, be holy, and spit on him and walked by. And then I, I watched as the person of Jesus walked by, 
And he took a robe of righteousness off his back. And he bent down as low as this broken man and whispered in his ear, be holy as I am holy. And he took the robe off his back and covered the shivering man. And a religious spirit gets the words right, but the tone and the heart is void of presence. And presence is where the warmth is. Presence is where the transformation is. And, you know, we've all experienced uh, people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. And when we are possessed by the presence of God, people remember what he feels like. And, you know, this is why in a prophetic culture, the most important person you will ever hear God for is yourself. Because your tone will match the tone you hear. So if you, if you hear words from the Lord in a sharp, condemning voice, that will come out in the way that you represent him on the earth. But if we become intimate and familiar with the kindness in his tone, with the gentleness in his tone, people might not remember what the word is, but they will remember they tasted something that touched their heart. And this is, this is what Jesus left people on the earth with, an experience. And, you know, this is, this is where our culture has trumpeted, we owe the world an encounter with God. Because an encounter with God changes us inwardly by the presence. And, you know, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be on the inside of you, transforming you? And if we flip, flip over just a couple chapters in chapter 8, we find out, that this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. He's growing up a maturity in you to be led by him. It says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So the Holy Spirit is on, on the inside of you. Paul's calling him the spirit of acceptance. And he is on the inside of you, whispering, you are God's beloved child. 
you are the one that God wants. And he, he is the one who is transforming the sound of our voice to be able to say, Abba, Father, just like Jesus. Because this, this transformation in the kingdom is not for you to grow up into a better version of yourself. It's not, it's not to work through your character deficits and, uh, you know, all of that is important. But we can do all of that uh, by reading a self-help book. And it is helpful. And some of us need all the help we can get, including me. But what the Holy Spirit is doing is making you like Jesus. And this is the... This is the standard of success in the kingdom, is how much of the nature of Jesus have I become. And the Holy Spirit is on, on the inside of you, transforming you into the likeness of Jesus by reminding you, you're the beloved of the Father. You have access to say, Abba, Daddy, Father. And you know, Paul is encouraging us, stop imitating the world around you. S stop mimicking the culture around you. Because listen, we are wired to imitate. Because at the very beginning of creation, we were made in the image of a God who wanted us to imitate him. And he actually put his image on the inside of humanity. He fashioned us after his likeness. And we would, we would grow up to be just like him by mimicking him, by imitating him. And in our purest, most innocent state, uh, we learned all the basic things we know by imitating. Because nobody pulls out... Um, a clipboard and teaches teaches a baby like this is how you hold a spoon and if you just grip your fingers around it hold it tight and then slowly bring it to your face nope nope start over try again that wasn't right no they um, instinctively learn by imitating before their mind has cognitive reasoning they are doing things that we do because it's in our DNA. It's the way that we're wired. We grow by imitating. We learn by imitating. And Paul is urging us, protect that. Be aware. And, you know, the entire basis of our entrance into the kingdom is to become like a little child again. Restore your innocence in imitating Restore your innocence in mimicking. And, you know, to mimic is to follow, to be a follower. When you look at Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, be imitators of God. Follow God. When Jesus was saying, come and follow me, he was saying, imitate me. Come and be just like me. Do the things I do. Say the things I say. And, you know, when we become imitators of Jesus, the world sees the Father. Because this was the number one mandate of Jesus, 
was I have so become one in imitating the Father. I have become one. There's no separation from where I end and he begins. When you see me, you see him. I only do what I see my father doing. I only mimic what I hear him saying. I represent him. And we, he, he handed the baton to us and said, show the world the father. Manifest the father. Because, you know, Justin read it this morning. The earth is groaning for the sons and daughters to arise on the earth because in their voice, the way that they say, Abba, Father, it, it reveals the Father. And the earth is groaning to behold a Father, to belong to a Father. And, you know, this, this inner transformation by the Holy Spirit is bearing fruit in our life that points to what God is like. And, you know, Ephesians says, we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And, you know, goodness is an attribute of God. At the heart of goodness is not just like we're just going to do as good amount of things as we can do. Because there's people all over the planet doing good, beautiful things that are not leading people to the Father. Goodness is what God responded to, to Moses when Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I'm aching to see your glory. And God responded and said, I'm, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. My goodness is my glory. And so when, when we are on the earth with a mandate that his goodness, his glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We are on a mission to release the goodness of God on the earth. That our works would cause the world to see this is a good God. And it's fruit that is out of season. It's fruit that cannot be mimicked in the culture we're currently in. Holiness cannot grow in the external culture. All the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, love cannot grow in the culture around you. N not the God love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's all fruit that is growing supernaturally outside of what the world can grow. You cannot get this fruit by mimicking the culture around you. We have to live inside another culture. We have to be mimicking another reality to grow the Holy Spirit kind of fruit. And you know, this fruit isn't the end of itself. And when the spies went into the promised land, 
they came back with a grape that is so big, it had to be carried with four men on poles. And the goal of the fruit was not to dehydrate the grape and hang it on the wall and use it as a testimony of that one time we stepped into the promised land and look how big the fruit was. The fruit was meant to entice them, to prophesy, this belongs to you. This is where you're supposed to live and breathe and have your being and the promise is true. And the Holy Spirit is the promised land in the new covenant. It's the presence of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And our lives, the good works of our lives are intended to be the massive grapes of his nature, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Where did you get kindness like that? I, I've never seen a love like that before. Where did you get that? that? That has to be carried like on four poles. And that doesn't look anything like the world swirling around us right now. Where did that come from? And it is intended not that we would just give people a grape from our life and make them dependent on us, but that the fruit would lead them to the person who they belong to, that it would be the sound on the earth. Hey, this is what a daughter sounds like. You want to sound like her too? You belong to him. This is why our greatest ministry on the earth is the ministry of reconciliation. That this is not about drawing people to our own talents, to our own gifts, to our own skills. This is about every good work I do on the earth carries the fragrance of a father that wants all of his children to come home. And when we start to live inside of our dependence on the Holy Spirit, to become the promised land, to become that when you look at our lives, it becomes an invitation into the more of him. And, you know, this includes all of our weaknesses and deficits. Because if you have to look like me to be invited into this fullness, we're all in trouble. And, you know, the, uh, I'll never forget the day the, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, why are you being more generous with your strengths than you are with your weaknesses? And to be living as generous as, as he is means I'm just as generous with my weaknesses and my deficits because they point to my creator and my need to him just like my strengths do. I don't have to diminish one to hold on to the other. Our humanity covered in glory is what manifests the Father. And, you know, this, until we return to this place of our source for transformation is the Holy Spirit. We will, we will constantly be living our life to prove our worth. 
to prove I'm, I'm, I'm worth the presence of God. I'm worth belonging in the family of God. Because the, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us better thoughts to think. He heals, he heals us at the root that's perpetuating the thoughts. He takes us all the way to the bottom of where did you learn to mimic your worth like that? Not, not just, hey, let's think better thoughts about your worth. But hey, let, let's go to the bottom of who told you that. How did you learn to start mimicking that? That, that cruel voice on your insides, where did you start to mimic that from? Why, you know, why, why do you sound like the accuser on the inside? Where did you learn that? And, and the Holy Spirit isn't setting us up for a lifetime of growth by self-effort. He is setting us up for healing in the deepest places in our soul that comes up and out to bear fruit that we could never bear on our own. And listen to what he says. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And then in verse 3, he says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. How much of your current identity requires faith to be lived out? Because he's saying anything in your identity that does not require faith will end in arrogance and self-promotion. And we will, we will begin to build a life where we put up an image so we can take a breath and feel like I'm worth being in the room. And Paul is urging us, empty yourself of all of that and mimic God. Get your worth from activating your faith and everything about your identity in the kingdom requires extraordinary faith. That you are loved in the same measure that Jesus is loved. That requires extraordinary faith. <laughs> like we gotta just like spend some time are my cells in my body informed that I am loved at the same depth, in the same fullness that Jesus is loved? The same spirit 
that raised Jesus from the dead, that actually entered his body in the tomb and, and caused his chest to begin to breathe again. The same spirit that empowered him to fold every little article of clothing, the Bible says, and just rest it right there in the grave. Complete impossibility. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living and breathing on your insides right now. How, how many of the countless amount of thoughts that race through our mind every day are being infused with the reality of that truth. I was reading this week, you are not your thoughts, you are the thinker of your thoughts. And as humans, we have the unique capacity to step outside of ourselves and observe our thinking. And when you step out of yourself today and you observe your thinking, how many of your thoughts have been informed that you house the living God? John 14, 22 says, my father is going to love you so deeply that we, the Godhead, the, the God that hung the moon, made all of these trees, will come and make our home with you. How much of our self-esteem is being infused with a radical faith? a supernatural faith, a faith that Paul is saying came only from God, a God-given faith. Because this is what the earth is groaning for right now, is people who are living possessed with an identity that's coming from another world, from another realm. That we are to live on the earth, but not mimic the earth. That we are to live on the earth, but have none of our identity being shaped and defined by the earth. That all of our identity, everything that we are becoming we're becoming because we're mimicking, we're following a perfect father, a perfect father. And, you know, he, he goes on to say, in the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique fun function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. When, we're, when we are living out of our God-given faith to infuse our, our worth, to infuse our identity, it shows up in the way that we connect and honor one another. It shows up 
not in a place of isolation, but in a place of connectedness to the other vital pieces of the body of Christ. And we're no longer in any type of competition within the body to prove why the knee is more important than the pinky toe or why the elbow should look more like an ear. And we, we actually come to take our place in the body of Christ with one goal in mind. I'm going to be who he's called me to be and manifest the nature of the Father in the way I, all of my faith is going to be used up to do the role I've been called to do on the earth. And when we start to function in confidence in who I've been called to be on the earth and not needing to get my value from comparing how I look to others, everyone in the body gets an upgrade when you take your place in the body. Because everyone is carrying a vital role I cannot exist in the fullness of my identity without you. It's what it means to be the body of Christ. And that's why it becomes crucial. It becomes crucial that we're using our God-given faith to fill in the blanks in our own story, in our own life. So why don't we just all go ahead and stand up. And I just want to pray over us. If you just want to put your hand on your heart. And we just draw our awareness this morning, Holy Spirit, to, to your presence that's inwardly transforming us down in the deep of who we are. And we celebrate this morning the work that you're doing that we're aware of and that we're not aware of. And I just thank you for even any area where we are unconsciously mimicking the culture around us. Where we are unconsciously mimicking the tone of voice in the culture around us. We open up our heart and we say just like David, search us God. See us, God. We want to live inside of the nature of God that releases fruit on the earth that only comes from your presence. And so we just open up wide the place where the kingdom dwells within us. And we just say, Jesus, we want to be walking promised lands. We want to be invitations to dwell with God, to hear the voice of the Father and know that's where I belong. That for a groaning earth, we want to be the people that walk in the room and a stillness comes, a peace comes, a healing balm comes. Because God walked in the room in this temple. And so we just give you permission, Jesus, to start here. Start with us. 
anything that doesn't sound like you, look like you, smell like you, taste like you. Let us see the real you. Let us be transformed by your presence. Make us into people that unveil the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.